Welcome to the No Fear podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. Welcome back to the No Fear Podcast. It's been several weeks since we have posted the No Fear Podcast, and I can tell you it is an exciting time to be back, but so much has happened over the last couple of months. When I first began this podcast back in March of 2020, I began at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis to give some occasional uh, regular inspiration or encouragement for all of us as we were going through this COVID-19 crisis. But I've got to make a confession. At first, I believed that this would be a podcast that would last about six weeks. I did not anticipate that the COVID-19 crisis would continue on through the summer, one month, two months, three months, four months, now up to seven months, uh, and we're still going. Hopefully, we are beginning to see an end in sight. But from the beginning, I did not anticipate that we would be going for this long. And so as we got to midsummer, I began to think about the long-term implications of continuing with this podcast forum, looking at interviews, looking at future topics, looking at future things for us to consider. And I also thought that it was time for the podcast to evolve, for us to perhaps consider a very significant uh, programming change for the No Fear podcast. And as I thought about that, as I prayed about that, and especially as I traveled with my family this summer and had an opportunity to listen to lots of other podcasts, I realized that the one thing that that this podcast was really lacking was a sense of conversation. Of course, for the short term, I think it delivered exactly what it was supposed to deliver. But as we continue looking forward to using this medium as a way to encourage one another and to just share in what how God is working in this crisis and beyond, I thought, let's bring some other voices into this conversation. Of course, throughout this podcast, we've used interviews and really enjoyed connecting with members of our staff, members of our church community, and really have taken the opportunity to, to share experiences with one another that way. But I thought it was time for us to really think in a new way about how we talk and how we share and how we speak into this COVID-19 crisis and beyond. So today, it is my pleasure to introduce to you a new format for the No Fear podcast by introducing to you my two new co-hosts. That's right. After uh, a season of monologues and interviews, I've decided to bring onto the team two of my good friends, two colleagues in ministry, Mr. Alex Solorio, our Director of University Ministries, and Alex Clary, our Director of Ministries to students and their families here at First Presbyterian Church. Together, we are going to have conversations about topics ranging from current events to theology to our own faith journeys to just whatever happens to strike us as helpful during this crisis and beyond. 
So it's great to be here with Alex Saloria and with Alex Clary, the two Alexes that are joining me for the No Fear podcast. And I'm just going to ask these guys to briefly reintroduce themselves to you. They are, of course, known to our First Presbyterian family, but they may not be known to all of our listeners. So first of all, Alex Solorio, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Again, thank you for having us on here, Bob. This is amazing. I'm so glad I get to do this with Alex Clary as well. So yeah, my name is Alex Solorio. I serve as the Director of University Ministries here at First Pres. Um, I recently just celebrated my fifth year mark, August 30th. Uh, so I've now been here for half a decade, man. What a wow. blessing. And so just uh, really grateful and thankful to be a part of this First Press family, and I look forward to what the Lord has moving forward. That's that's great. Uh, Alex Solorio has been here for, I guess you got here a year before I got here. So right. so I came in. You were already the veteran here, so, right. showed so you, the ropes. you showed me the ropes. <laughs> and now we get to show the ropes to the newest member of our First Presbyterian Church staff family, Alex Clary. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Alex. Yeah, Bob, thanks for having me on. I'm definitely the rookie on our team, but happy to be here. Uh, my name is Alex Clary. I have been serving as the ministry director to youth and their families for about nine months now. In December 2019, my wife Miranda and I moved from Columbia, South Carolina, here to the great state of Texas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> love San Antonio and love uh, the vision and the direction of First Pres, and I am so excited to serve alongside everybody here and see what the Lord's got in store. That is awesome. Thank you for coming. It's great to have another South Carolinian on the staff here. You know, I think that South Carolina and Texas have a lot in common. I remember when I first moved here, people said, you're going to like Texas a lot because South Carolina is a little state with a big personality. Texas is a big state with a big personality, and I think, I think the two complement each other. Mm-hmm. Very well. So let's jump right into the meat of the podcast today. One of the things that we wanted to do in this new expanded format is really encourage the idea of conversation. And as we reflect now on this COVID-19 season, the things that we said at the beginning of this COVID-19 season may still hold true. Some things may have altered. Some things that that we once held as necessary back in April, May, June now maybe seem more important or less important. But one of the things that is critically important for us, not only as believers, but as leaders in the church, is our faith, our, our faith understanding, our theology, our, our, our approach to this, to this crisis through the lens and perspective of Scripture and God's Word in Jesus Christ. And so what we want to talk about today is the great big mouthful topic of theology and how important is theology in the midst of a crisis like COVID-19. Now, on top of COVID-19, we also have several other things happening. We also have a tremendous social crisis in our country right now as we are really as a nation wrestling with issues of race and justice and community and all of those things, we are dealing with an economic crisis caused by the pandemic that directly relates to things like families. It deals with, or it affects uh, issues uh, like poverty and employment and homelessness and all these sorts of things. All of these things lead to stress. All of these things lead to to wounds in the spirit, family tension, all of those sorts of things. And and so we as a faith community, we as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to know where to go. How do we 
how do we find resources to deal with all this? Do we just simply turn to the culture? Or is it possible that we can turn to our own faith tradition, turn to our own history, and gather the strength we need from discussions of the faith in the past? Many of you who've heard this podcast before or have heard me preach have heard me refer to theology using St. Augustine's term that theology is faith-seeking understanding, that it's faith-seeking understanding. And that's why it's important for us to, to be able to articulate what it is we believe and why we believe it and how those doctrines, those, those teachings of the church over generations, from generation to generation, how those apply to us now. And so right now I'm going to ask these guys to just join this discussion as we think about why theology matters, both at the beginning of this crisis and hopefully as we start to come to an end of this crisis. So first of all, Alex Clary is a graduate of Columbia International University and has studied theology extensively. Alex Alorio, of course, a graduate of Houston Baptist University. So these guys are not only not only members of our staff, these guys are academic and theological powerhouses. So expect to have your minds blown here. So Alex Clary, blow our minds. Tell us about theology. Why does it matter during a pandemic? Well, that is a, that is a large task to accomplish, mm. and you set me up there <laughs> quite nice. I didn't tell him I was going to say that. Right. <laughs> yeah, so why yeah. is theology important? So given the nature of how I serve here at First Pres, I always try to think of you know what we how I translate this and make it applicable to teenagers, to our students that I am blessed enough to serve. And uh, so really, why is theology important? I think one of the basic ways of answering that question is theology is important because you have to know what you are aligning yourself to. Mm. So during this time of fear, during this time of, of not knowing what's in our future in our economy, what's in our future with our you know pandemic crisis and all of these things, Knowing what we align ourselves with and knowing what our faith is in is what gives us our security. So if I claim to believe in something, but I don't know the ins and outs of what I'm Mm -hmm. attaching myself to, then I'm not going to have that sense of hope. I'm not going to have that sense of purpose. I'm not going to have that sense of belonging. And so theology provides the answer of who is God? Theology provides the answer of how does God move and work during times such as these? And really theology is the answer of how can God help me overcome my fear? It's through theology. It's through knowing this personal God that we know. And it's through understanding how God's working, how what he's done in his past through his word, what he's doing now through his church. Knowing theology is knowing how God is working so that you can continue to see him move even in the midst of these crises that you mentioned. Amen. Exactly. So, Alex, how about you? Sort of responding to the same question, Alex Lorio. How is how is your theology how how is the process of theology coming to bear for you in this kind of crisis? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, I think I think I could really echo a lot of what Alex had just said, Alex Clary just said. But uh, as as I take a look at theology again, the definition that you gave, uh, I'm when I when I hear the study of theology or the theology, even the term in and of itself, is of course like. Theo and then ology, right? The mm-hmm. study of God. So we're studying of God, and so you you initially asked the question as you were introing us, uh, where do we go? What mm-hmm. do we turn to? Where do we place our confidence? Where is our hope? Where do we lean for strength? Where do we seek wisdom? These are all 
aspects and attributes with theology. And the truth is this, sometimes, you know, we see in the world, like, theology can be skewed. Mm. So I think it's our responsibility. The reason why this is important to me is because as people are searching for God or searching God or trying to understand the meaning of God, or even if they're agnostic and they believe, well, there's something out there and we just don't know, or even if they're atheistic, which is a view of God, you know, that you don't believe that there's something there. Um, regardless of that, you do have some form of study of that very thing. So why is theology important to me? I think it helps navigate the steps that we take on a daily basis. It, it, it attributes to the way that we treat people. It attributes to the way we communicate with others. And especially for us as, as those, as, especially here at this table, you know, we believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, right? We believe um, that he, he came from the Father, right? So we have a view of theology in that sense. We also believe that, you know, uh, we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that walks and dwells within us now, you know? And so um, it's important to us because it helps us navigate and it demonstrates the way that we respond to this thing that we call life, right? This, this life that we have now. So um, I find it to be important. Uh, not just in response of my own life, but also in the way that I respond to others. Why is why is it important to consider the source where you're getting your your information? Where you where does your theology come from? First of all, first of all, I would agree 100 mm-hmm. with what Clary just said, and I think that's probably going to be helpful. Just go by our we're going to go by last yeah, names. Go by okay. last names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll help. I'll help the listeners out. So it'll be it'll be Solorio, Clary, and Doctor Fuller. Hey, oh, there you go, Doctor Fuller. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so, in conjunction, because again, I'm echoing what Alex says. If if we believe that God reveals Himself through His Word, and then we track that, like we go back, right? We we. As we've studied, we've taken church history. Like we understand how the Bible came to be. We understand the translations that 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 have been done. The reasons why we've got to the position and the place where we're at even now. Um, you know, when we look back at all of those things, I have to take things in in a more scientific realm. So, for those that don't know my story a little bit, I, I studied biochemistry at Houston Baptist uh, up until my senior year. Uh, and then the Lord called me into ministry. Now, that's a long story, and we can talk about that on another day, how the Lord called me into ministry. But I'm very grateful for those steps because, you know, this opportunity for me to take organic chemistry, cell and molecular biology, gen- genetics, and all these things, um, there's like a process of, you know, you, you become, for instance, a slave to the rules, right? You become a slave to the rules that are given by the foundations of the earth or or science that gives you, right? And so... For me, when I look at theology, and we have to ask the question of where we came from, how did we come to be, and these things, uh, for us not to consider a savior or an intelligent designer, um, uh, it, for, first of all, that, that's why would you do that? You, you're counting out so much uh, further argument in and of itself. But why is this important to the reasons of the way that I read this scripture, this word? Well, it's because I have a responsibility as an intellect. If I'm going to be considered as a professional, and if I want to look at this world uh, through a lens of trying to understand how we came to be, uh, when I look at Scripture and seeing the conviction and the truth that's rooted in it, not because I first came to the conclusion that it was truth, but because it wrecked me. That's what Scripture does. So that that's how I'm bringing, trying to bring it full circle 
when you ask, like, how do I take this in? If I come in to reading scripture or seeking God as if I already know everything mm. and I'm just visiting, I'm just visiting, I'm just, I'm just here to dwell in it and I'm a visit and I'm not going to apply it to my life. And I'm just like, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. I'm not doing myself any favors. If I don't read scripture and I'm not wrestling with it, then there's a problem. Clary and I were talking about that this past week. That if I'm not reading scripture and I'm thinking, oh, this whole entire thing is for me. I don't need to change the way that I walk. I don't need to change the way that I talk. I don't need to change the way that I think. Uh, this Bible is talking about someone else's problems and someone else's issues and, mm. and what they're going through. And no, but not me. Like, not me. Well, that's, dude, that's that's a very wrong lens. You're stepping right. into it in the wrong in the first place. Yeah, so just building on that, I'm reminded of Ephesians 4, and Paul's talking about the, the unity of the church and the call for the church in Ephesus and the, the surrounding areas to be unified as one. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really building on what Solorio said, and Bob, you probably know who should be credited with this quote. I don't, but it's, if you don't stand for something, you'll believe anything, or if you don't stand for something... I said that my son. I think you said it this past Sunday. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not original to me, but I, I, <laughs> I certainly didn't quote whoever said that original. Right. No, 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 well, no, no, whoever's no. out there, if that's off, your quote... Came off the top of the head. Right. It was. I just right. made that up. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, that's good. Yeah, but Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about the unity of the church, and uh, starting, you know, Paul loves his run-on sentences, so we're going to hop into the middle of one, but starting in verse 13. Excuse me, did, did he just grammar check an apostle? Dude, you, hey, man. I, I think he did. Hey, hey, you called him a scholar at the beginning of this. You said that he was going to shake and move and That's right. do yeah. stuff when he you first introed him. Only, so only person who reads the New Testament with a red pen. He is just fulfilled. St. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, forgive Apostle, me. Oh, apostle Paul's in, in detention now. Right, yeah. right. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry, so, sorry. He's just talking about this unity and uh, building on this theme of why we have theology. He says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's where I really think why theology is important. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by mm. human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, which eat, with each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We value theology so that we aren't tossed by the changing world. Come on. We value theology because it roots us, it grounds us in an unchanging God and an unchanging world, word so that no matter what happens in this world with a pandemic, with an election, with mm. economic and social unrest, mm. those things change, our situations change, we as people change, but God's word does not. And we're not tossed by the waves of this world. We're not being lied to. We're not falling for deceit. We are growing in unity in Christ, and that's the call of the church. That's called that's the call for us as individual believers. But I think Paul's words there answer the question of why is theology important, so that we know what we know and we don't fall for the ways of this world. That's right. God did not reveal His truth to us just to swell our heads with esoteric knowledge. Mm. God revealed his truth so that we would not be swayed, so that we mm. would be grounded, so that we would grow in our conformity to Christ Jesus, so that we would uh, so that we would not be conformed to the ways of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm, yeah. uh, so let me let me push this into the more specific area. 
as we think about, especially over the last seven months, we we have a we have been in a season that has been ripe for theological reflection. I mean, any I, I think any thoughtful believer has probably asked some important God questions during this time. Um, of course, we have all had assurances of faith and things upon which we have leaned that have given us confidence and hope. But I think all of us at some point have probably had to ask some God questions. Why? How? How come? What's going on here? Um, Alex, uh, Alex Solorio, give us give us an idea of maybe some of the God questions that that you've been asking during this season and maybe or maybe that you've heard other people asking and you've said to yourself, "Wow, that's a good question. I want to I want to pursue that one. I want to dig deep on that one." So what have I been wrestling with? Why is it that we can continue to read through scripture and dwell in scripture yet we continue to wrestle with idols? Mm. So the, the whole issue of idolatry. Yes, we love our idols. And it's like we sit there and then we wonder why has my idol fallen or why does my idol not satisfy me or why don't other people see this idol the way that I see these idols. And we sit there and we're like, man, I just wish the Lord said something about idols in scripture. <laughs> if, if he'd only said something. If, like, <laughs> if only he said something. May, maybe like in a list of rules. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, or, or maybe like an example of, of when somebody went up to go get the law and they found a golden calf and like, no, this is what we're going to, I know that we just got out of Egypt, but this golden calf right here though, like that's what, that's been a good question of mine. It doesn't necessarily apply to the world. It applies to us as the body of believers. Like it, I wrestle with it. Cause if I'm being, if I'm being honest, I wrestle with it too. I have idols in my own life that I have to continue to say, this is not where I place my hope. Mm. This is not where I place my trust. What am I doing? I think idolatry will be a future podcast topic because mm -hmm. as I believe it was Calvin who said it first, uh, possibly repeated by Carl, Carl Barth, who said uh, that the human heart is a factory of idols. Mm. And it is just something from which we cannot escape. And so great theological question because I, I think that one of the issues is that if idolatry was just the uh, just the worship of statues or fetishes or or little totems then it would be pretty easy to get a handle on it but what about those soft idols those those subtle idols mm -hmm. um, I, I personally believe that that, uh, that pride, which is always referred to as the the cardinal of the seven deadly mm -hmm. sins, is simply mm -hmm. self idolatry. Yeah. Um, it, those subtle idols, especially in a desperate season like wow. the like the pandemic and a season of election and social unrest, this is a time when we are particularly vulnerable to distractions and idols and putting our faith in other things. The um, uh, you know, the, the scripture says, don't put your trust in princes, and yet we have an almost messianic appreciation or desire of our presidential and political candidates. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about think about what we are praying about political candidates right now. 
I mean, mm-hmm. are, are we really electing them or are we exalting them? Mm-hmm. It's a really scary proposition. Same question, uh, Clary. What what are the God questions that you're hearing or that you're wrestling with right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, I, I'm confident that the Holy Spirit is present because you opened the door of the, the road I was going to walk down, and uh, it, it's pride. Mm-hmm. I think that the Lord has taught me so much about humility and about how important it is to crucify yourself. Mm-hmm. At CIU, I took a ethics class, and we spent the first two months of this course talking about the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. And in certain camps, the, the there are people who believe that pride is the root of all evil, of mm-hmm. the seven deadly sins. And I have seen that over and over and over again in my life, and looking at our culture, and looking at the examples we have in Scripture and throughout church history, is that the exact opposite of godliness is pride, mm-hmm. and the exact opposite of total depravity is humility. And we are so tempted during this time to have our own desires, to have our own goals, to have our mm-hmm. own satisfaction. But I was reading through the Gospel of Mark during this quarantine season, and I just saw over and over and over again Christ's example of crucify yourself and follow me. And the entire emphasis of the Gospel of Mark is Mark 8, where he says, if anyone wants to follow me, you must crucify yourself, deny yourself, and follow me. And in my own life, I've seen that. Moving to San Antonio, I was so excited. It was a new state. It was a new job. It was a new opportunity for my wife and I. Had all these ideas of what youth ministry here at First Pres is going to be using all these fun tools that I've learned and these fun events. We're going to go all to these fun places around town. And then COVID-19 hits. And I learned that my plans and my goals and the things that I had built up that I thought were going to look good in an email and look good on an Instagram post to a youth ministry were taken from me. And I think it goes right to the idolatry talk that you were talking about, Alex, of even with people in positions like us of ministry, it can be prideful. And the Lord has just had to remind me over and over again that you are called to do one thing, and that is to preach the gospel and to give glory to God. And how often do I in my personal life miss that? How often do I just say, all right, God, you're coming with me. Let's go. And this COVID-19 season has taught me that, no, it is my job to lay down my life and say, Lord, you are the one in charge. Come on. You will reveal your will. You will reveal the direction of where you want me to go. But yeah, that is that the biggest theological question I've been wrestling with during this season is, what does humility look like? And where in my life am I prideful that I haven't even seen? And that is the way of Christ-likeness, because as Paul says in Philippians, you know, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. Mm. I mean, humility is, I mean, that that's the characteristic of Jesus Christ, the one who has everything, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather humbled himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, how hard is that to think about? Uh, you think about John the Baptist, who said, you know, people were wondering, you know, aren't, aren't you the Christ? He says, no, that, that's him over there. You know, I have to decrease and he mm-hmm. has to increase. Mm-hmm. I tell you, the God question that I have really, really dealt with over this season is the whole issue of God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. I am a 
born again Calvinist. And I, mm. I mean, I, I, I absolutely believe in the sovereignty <laughs> of God. And yet this is a season that has really pushed me and stretched me to consider, is God really in charge of all this? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I will not say that there's been anything that, that has made me just throw up my hands and say, God's not in control. But there have been a lot of incidents recently where I've been like, come on, really? Mm-hmm. Is, is, that the, is that the highest and best? Is that, because part of accepting the sovereignty of God is understanding that every, every crazy thing that happens, God is using to will and to work for his good pleasure, even if it's beyond our comprehension. And and just wrestling with the whole notion of is you know is this right is it good is it righteous and how does this work in with with God's will um, that's that's been a very difficult um, a very difficult issue especially as God's sovereignty seems to also crash into to bring in the topics that my colleagues brought in it's it's when. It's when my pride and my idols crash on the rocks of God's sovereignty. When those things that I thought were so precious in my life and absolutely non-negotiable, usually not matters of the Spirit, usually not matters of, of the Scripture, but just issues of my own, my own idols, my own pride, when those crash up against the rocks of God's sovereignty and he says, we're going to break this open, and we're going to take a look at it, and you're going to you're going to have to give up control. You 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 keep these idols because they keep you in control. You maintain your pride because it keeps you in control. But I am in control, mm. not you. And I, it makes me think back to Saint Augustine's great work, The City of God, when when the city of Rome was falling to one of the barbarian invasions and people thought that the world was ending. And Augustine had to keep pointing them toward the idea that that this world, as we have built it, as we have constructed it, as we imagine it, is not the world that God ultimately, ultimately has designed as the final product. Now, God is going to redeem this world but he is it's not finished yet mm. we're it's not done yet and um and just when you think that maybe god has lost a grip that's when he shows you that that no i am actually in control mm. and i think that I, I think one of the hardest parts of wrestling with god's sovereignty is is really praying that first line of uh, uh, or not the first line, but playing that line in the Lord's Prayer where we say, "Thy will be done," mm-hmm. you know, "Thy will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven," instead of saying, "My will be done," mm-hmm. because ultimately, in a theological practice, God's sovereignty comes down to the the question of whether I'm in control or whether He's in control. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, just we're, we're going to close out this discussion, but. I'm going to bring up one of the quotes that is my absolute favorites uh, that you'll hear us refer to many, many times on this podcast. It's the beginning lines of John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Calvin, of course, was the 16th century reformer of Switzerland who who became a, a real disciple, a real apostle 
of the authority of Scripture and the sovereignty of God, the not only the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, but the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And he began this great work of theology with this phrase. He says that nearly all the wisdom that we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two things, knowledge of God and of ourselves. And if we are going to practice theology, if we are going to attain any kind of wisdom, then we really do need to wrestle with not only who we are, the things that affect and afflict our lives, but we also need to wrestle with who God really is. Who do we really understand God to be? And not not necessarily even who do we understand God to be, but who is God really? Because until we are willing to bring our lives and the reality of God into tension with each other, then we're really not going to... uh, to find the peace and the strength and honestly the the comfort that we need in a season like this. Gentlemen, thanks for a great conversation today and to all of you who are listening. Thanks for joining in on our conversation and if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to suggest topics or just tell us what's on your mind, please contact us at fpcsanantonio.org or through the First Presbyterian Church app. Again, this is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, along with Alex Clary and Alex Solorio. That's right, one Bob, two Alexes, and 30 minutes of theology. We thank you for joining us today for this podcast. And during this crisis, we want you to remember to take heart. God is real. He loves you. He has the power to make a difference in your life. He has a plan and purpose for you. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table.